Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about advocating for others. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 30th of January, 2023, and I have a special guest with me today, my lovely husband, Benjamin Lacasse. It is actually, we just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary, so per tradition, I've asked him to be on the podcast for me. I think maybe I need to object to the term <laughs> lovely when describing me, but thank you, honey. It was a it was lovely to be here. <laughs> it was, not well, is. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, okay. Now, we're going to be talking about advocating for others. And contrary to what my husband thinks, it's not avocadoing for <laughs> others. This is this is what I have to deal with people. But anyway, so the tour portion for this upcoming week is what, honey? Uh, Exodus. I'm sorry. It's, uh, I can't even read your writing. Meshalach. There we go. Meshalach. Which means? When he when sent. When he sent. Yes. Yep. And now you can read the Torah portion part. That's not That's too bad, right? Exodus chapter 13, 17, uh, or verse 17, through chapter 17, verse 16. And the half Torah is? Judges chapter 4, verses 4, through chapter 5, verse 31. And the Brit Hadashah? Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 23. Sorry, 33. I kept saying 22 through 23, and it's not. It's 22 through 23. And by, 33. Kept, by kept saying is every time we were going over, what is the Torah portion? He would tell me, and that's exactly what he would say. Um, I will say this is probably one of my favorite half Torah portions, which my husband finds <laughs> hilarious and maybe slightly disturbing. Indeed. Because Deborah is by far the best judge ever. <laughs> and this particular chapter that they that we're reading not only talks about Deborah, but also Yael. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's how you sp- say her name, but we'll go with it. Sure. Yeah. So if you want to know more, you, you go ahead and read the, the half tour portion, right? Absolutely. Okay. It involves a tent peg. Yeah, a tent peg. So advocating for others. I got that particular title when when we were at our congregation, Best Simca, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. We had a very nice gentleman come and talk to us about his charity group. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you remember what it's called. Hevra. Hevra. Mm-hmm. Um, they helped those in the Ukraine and they were actually helping even before the war, mm-hmm. well before the war. Right. But um, they've basically been helping since the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah. So, um, and he also, uh, fixed our Torah scroll. So that was pretty awesome as well. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about the difference between Noah and Abraham, which is something I'd never even really thought about where he was talking about how Noah didn't advocate for the people around him. He simply got on the boat and said, peace out. I'm uh, I'm going to hang out here with my my family and and do what God told me to. Yes, I know. We'll get more into it. Okay. And then Abraham, he actually did intercede on behalf of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we're going to go ahead and read this so that you can't just be like upset at me for what I just said about <laughs> Noah. So Noah, you can find... Actually, it's funny. The parasha is called Noah, but in chapter seven of Genesis of Genesis and also in six. But I think the the part I'm going to be reading is, yeah, is chapter six, verse nine. It says, these are the genealogies of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among his generation. 
Noah continually walked with God, mm-hmm. right? Right. So there's a, a correlation, but also a difference here between Abraham and Noah, because with Abraham in chapter 17 of Genesis, verse one, it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, Adonai appeared to Abram and he said to him, I am El Shaddai, continually walk before me and you will be blameless. So they're very similar, but right. not exactly the same because with Noah, he walked with God mm-hmm. and God told Noah, uh, Abram or Abraham later on that he was going to walk before God. Right. And some people might say, okay, well, what's the big do- difference with that? And uh, what I would say is when I think of walking before God, I don't think of it as like you're walking ahead of him more you're going and preparing the way for him, like John the Baptist preparing the way for Yeshua, like you're being a herald for him. Um, that's a big responsibility, and it requires more of us than it does to simply walk with God. If we're walking next to God, walking with God, we're following his lead. If we're walking before God, we have to anticipate which way would he want us to go? Would he want us to go to the left? Would he want us to go to the right? We have to put ourselves in the mind of God and ask ourselves the question, what does God want of me? Instead of just saying, what do you want of me, God? Waiting for an a- answer. We're trying to get out ahead of it and say, what would God want me to do in this situation? Right. And I think that the difference there too, like, you know, because obviously Noah did what Adam and I told him to do. Mm-hmm. And so did Abraham. They just did it in very different ways. Mm-hmm. But Noah, I think both of the, what they did, uh, with God commanding them to do different things, they both were obedient in it. Right. They were both very different things and different ways for them to be obedient. They both were difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, based on kind of the perspective that you just gave me, it sounds more like Abraham's job would have been a little bit more difficult simply because he does have to herald it. Mm -hmm. They both have to be obedient, which is tough in and of itself. Yeah. But not only did Abraham have to be obedient, he also had to kind of almost intercede on behalf of the people. There's that, but also in a way, he had to push back a little bit. You know, when, when God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham says, far be it from you. This is not in your character to destroy the wicked with the the righteous. Right. Absolutely. God knew that ahead of time. Right. He's almost, he's trying to draw it out of Abraham by putting Abraham in this situation where Abraham is confronted with, this isn't in God's character to do. I have to explore this more. I have to delve deeper into it. Whereas with Noah, he says, get on the boat, take your family and get out. And he gets on the boat, takes his family and gets out. Right. And I'm actually going to read a couple of different verses from Genesis chapter. I read uh, Genesis chapter six, verse nine. I'm going to read Genesis chapter six, verse 13, which says, then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is coming before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Behold, I'm about to bring ruin upon them along with the land. And then he proceeds to tell him about making the ark and tells him exactly how he needs to make it. Mm-hmm. Then you go over to verse 22 and it says, so Noah did according to all that God commanded him. He did so exactly. And then when you go to chapter seven, verse one, it says, then Adonai said to Noah, come you and all your household into the ark for you only do I perceive as righteous before me in this generation. Mm-hmm. So he was obedient. It yep. just, and there should not be uh, uh, glossed over his obedience. Right. Because that's so hard. I was thinking about it just now while you were talking. And I said to myself, self, in these two, we see very different things. We see Noah being obedient, doing exactly as God told him and, and right. no more. 
And then with Abraham, we see him pushing back against God and saying, you know, is this right? Is this what you really want? Is this what, how you really want to go? And the synthesis of those two, the combination of those two, we see in Moses, where it talks often about how Moses built the tabernacle exactly the way that God showed him how to do it. Right. And he did this and this exactly the way God showed him how to do it. But there's also multiple times where Moses goes and intercedes on the behalf of the people uh, you know, to God saying, you know, take my life instead of the, the life of these people. Right. Um, so we see that that synthesis and that coming together there in the character of Moses, which is one of the reasons why he's seen as even in some ways greater than Abraham and greater than Noah. Yeah, because he basically kind of combined. Yeah, he put it all together. He put it all together. Now, yeah. you know, to be fair, though, that also got him in trouble. Mm -hmm. Trying like, to go his own way. Trying to go his own way. And or, you know, he had to deal with these people mm -hmm. that God had put him in charge of, basically. Right. And I'm sure they, <clears throat> you know, drove him nuts about as much as, you know, Adonai was uh, annoyed with them from time to time. And mm -hmm. hence why he ended up not being able to go in the promised land because he got so mad, he struck the rod yeah know, i've been the rock we've been times. studying on that one uh lately and i don't necessarily think that that was entirely the reasoning, the reasoning. okay however i also think that that may be better saved for a different uh podcast. podcast but i would just say that i think it instead of it being anger the reason that he struck the rock although i'm sure that had something to do with him in fact if i'm not mistaken it says something about him getting angry and striking the, the rock twice right I also think that it had to do with the fact that he was relying more on his own strength than on God's strength. Mm. Specifically, he was relying on that staff. Gotcha. Um, that staff that had, in his mind, maybe parted the Red Sea and stopped armies from advancing against Israel and had uh, caused the hail and the lightning and, the, and uh, the, the, the fire to stop being rained down upon Egypt. When in reality, it wasn't the staff that was doing any of that. It was God doing it. God said, take this staff in your hand and do my wonders. Right. And unfortunately, I think he got the idea that it was the staff that was I don't empowered. Think, I don't know that it, that's, I necessarily agree with you on that. But um, I also think I can well, see your perspective and understanding. I don't think right. it was like, oh, it's totally the staff that's, uh, you know, God. I think it was more like you kind of get the mentality. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, you know, and you saw me getting so irritated. We were reading the Torah portion and I'm mm -hmm. like, I just don't understand these people. They drive me absolutely nuts. And he's like, "I'm someday I'm gonna. What do you say? I'm gonna take you I'm gonna, out." Yeah, I said, "I'm gonna take you out on a, on a camping trip for a month in in the, uh, the heat of the desert with limited food and limited water, and say that see if you get irritated and annoyed." And I said, "You know, well, you know, they had the pillar of cloud by day and the fire, you know, pillar of fire by night, and they had literally the presence of Adonai with them, mm -hmm. like visibly with them the whole time. Mm -hmm. So how the heck do you get do do end up like questioning if?" you know, why he's not doing things for you. And then it's like, really, Erica, it's, it's that simple. You get complacent, you get right. used to mm -hmm. the status quo. And for them for 40 years, mm -hmm. that was the status quo. Right. And so you become almost entitled you and think, numb to it. like, Oh, that's, that's normal. Yeah. Like what you mean? You don't, you don't, your God doesn't actually like well, live that, with yeah. you. You also, you come, you become numb to it. It reminds me of when we were living in Hawaii and we were right in the flight path of the airport. Yeah. And after like a month, we stopped really hearing the planes. And then your mom came and visited and she's like, how do you live here? Yeah. How can you deal with this? It's like, oh, we don't even hear it anymore. Yeah. We're numb to it. Yeah. I mean, same thing like when we lived in Hubert over mm -hmm. near by the, the bit closer to the base than we are now. Mm -hmm. And what, what is it? Mortar? 
mortar artillery rounds. um and it literally would shake all yeah, of the the house the, it the would shake the window panes yeah. and everything and and like you just got used to it over time mm-hmm. now that being said you mentioned my mother i need to correct something i said last week mm-hmm. she was quite put out by so i want to make sure that this is known mom i'm sorry you are right you were born on cape cod you were not born in new jersey mm. you just lived in new jersey for 11 years and picked up their accent so with that being said Carrying on with the podcast. I love you, Mom. So, um, I love you too. (laughs) You're not my mom. Um, I was speaking to your mom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Genesis 18 20 to 33 is exactly what we were talking about with Abraham, where he's interceding. So, this Mm -hmm. is like a bit of a uh, A block of text. A block of text. But it's kind of important to, to read it. If you want, you can just like have me pause if you want to say something while I'm talking. Like, Mm -hmm. I read this, but it says, Then Adonai said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great indeed, and their sin is very grievous indeed. I want to go down now and see if they deserve destruction, as its outcry has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham was still standing before Adonai. Do you want to give some backstory on that or no? No, I don't think so. Okay. I I mean, what backstory would you want on that? Basically, that you know, he had some visitors. Right. This is when we see uh, the three uh, visitors. It says it's interesting. We interpret this in many places, uh, interpret this as three angels that are visiting him. Um, But it specifically says three men uh, on a sheem are visiting him. And then it refers to them also as the angels of the Lord. And it refers to them as the Lord. So it's very interesting to try to figure out who it is. But anyway, this is when he's right after he's separated from Lot. and these three visitors come to see him, and uh, at least one of them appears to be the angel of the Lord, and then the other two go off to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it says, uh, God is asking maybe himself, should I keep this from Abraham, what I'm about to do, or should I tell him? And he says to himself, I guess I will. He says, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up against me, and I'm going to you know, see if it's as I've heard, essentially, and if it is, I'm going to destroy them. Yeah. Then the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham was still standing before Adonai. Mm-hmm. Abraham drew near and said, will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you really sweep away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to cause the righteous to die with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked share the same fate. Far be it from you. Shall the judge of the whole world not exercise justice? Then Adonai said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous people within the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And he could have left it at that, mm-hmm. but he didn't. He started basically, he bartered with them. Right. He said, Then Abraham answered and said, Look, pray, I have decided to speak to my Lord, though I am dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous people are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. So he spoke to him yet again and said, perhaps 40 will be found there. And he said, I will not do it for the sake of the 40. Then he said, please let my Lord not be angry. So I may speak. Perhaps 30 will be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, look, pray. I have decided to speak to my Lord. Perhaps 20 will be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Then he said, please let not my Lord be angry, so I may speak once more. Please, perhaps 10 will be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. Now, when he had finished speaking to Abraham, Adonai left and Abraham returned to his place. 
Now it's interesting to me that you know clearly Abraham is worried about angering the Lord, but you notice what I don't see anywhere in there is anywhere where it says Adonai became angry with Abraham. Angry, Adonai was was angry at Abraham for questioning him or for asking, you know, exactly what's going on. How 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 is he going to uh, execute this justice, this judgment that he's, uh, you know come up with well and i was thinking while i was reading it you know but it also shows abraham is giving adonai mm -hmm. uh deference he is respecting him he is saying it in a respectful way he's right. not like hey mm -hmm. you need to save these people because i'm sure there's got to be some righteous people in there like i right. i was thinking because you know i'm i'm always thinking kind of like okay like most people do when they're reading the bible how does how do i see this in my own life mm -hmm. it's kind of like when your kids ask you for something mm -hmm their tone mm -hmm. could make or break the decision that you decide to have. If your child comes to you and say, Hey, I really was thinking about doing this. Would you consider it? Mm -hmm. I'm a whole lot more likely to consider it versus them coming to me and be like, Hey, I'm doing this tomorrow. Right. I'll be like, Oh, Oh, are you really, mm -hmm. are, are you really doing it? Do you want to ask me first? Like mm -hmm. just out of curiosity, like who's taking you? How are you getting there? Do you need a vehicle? Do you need perhaps your mother to drive you? Hmm. Yes, please ask me nicely. So I think Abraham was smart, obviously, with the way that he did it, because it could have turned out really badly if he right. had chosen not to and give him the proper respect and deference. And I do. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's important to study what the people in the Bible do. But I also think it's even more important to ask, what is the actions and the response and the attitude of God right. in, in the Bible? You know, it's great and good that we see that Abraham is being respectful and reverent here and treating, you know, God is King and Lord, but it's also good to realize that we can ask God questions and he's not right. going to be angry with us. Right. It's almost only the, the times when we see God being angry in the scripture, we see it for disobedience yep. and we see it for uh, acts that are sinful and for acts that are unjust. Right. We don't see him being angry when someone asks him a, uh, uh, question especially a question that is motivated out of uh, a good place like either compassion or genuine curiosity or something like that we don't see god turning around and getting angry about that well i mean he's clearly advocating for the people of sodom and gomorrah mm -hmm. so it's not on his own behalf that he's trying to intercede right it's for other people yep. and what i was thinking of when you were talking was also jonah mm -hmm. he did not exactly have the greatest attitude toward mm -hmm. god but god didn't smite him down either right now, there's somebody actually pointed out to me something that about Jonah. Uh, Jonah, wait, I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing because there's a guy I listen to on uh, who has a podcast called, and his name is Jonah, or sorry, Jono. Uh, so Jonah, something that uh, was pointed out to me recently was that he had a good reason for not wanting to go, and it wasn't necessarily a reason that should have stopped him from going, but it's an understandable reason. So he was a prophet, right? Yes, I know the Veggie Tales is coming out strong, but he was a prophet, and he was going to prophesy the destruction of Nineveh. Well, what happened? What would have happened if the Ninevites had repented? What do you mean they did repent? Well, okay, but if they in his mind, if he prophesies something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, what's the then penalty? Then it makes him look like he's a false prophet. A false prophet. And prophet? what's the penalty for being a false Death. prophet? Exactly. I don't think that that was it though you don't think so i don't i think he didn't want to because mm -hmm. they persecuted his people right. why would he want to save people so but it's almost like somebody I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong but what i'm saying is he did there was a no-win scenario for him 
Okay. Either he went and was killed by the people or right. he went and they, the, they repented and he was killed by his own people for being a false prophet. Right. So it kind of was putting him in a bad position. But what he failed to realize is that God's mercy is a kind of a trump card in this case. And if you, you know, because we do see him, he goes and he pro and he prophesies. He says, unless you repent, you're going to be destroyed. Right. And they repented and right. they weren't destroyed. They were later on, but they weren't destroyed at that time. Right. So he's not a false prophet because of the way that he prophesied it, if that makes sense. Whereas it, if he had it, said, you're going to be destroyed, they repent and he's not, or they're not destroyed. Right. And he's got, a, he's got an issue. It does make sense. I just don't know that I remember anything in there for that mm -hmm. being the issue. I, I remember there being the issue of these people persecuted mm -hmm. by people. Why in the world would I want to save them? I right. want them all to perish and die. Mm -hmm. I mean, that I can I mean, understand. yeah, he definitely gets up on the hillside <laughs> and trying to get front row seats to the fireworks I mean, show, and, as it were. And so. he was, you know, God was merciful to him even then, mm -hmm. even though he chose not to advocate for those people. Right. Um, which is kind of why I, I wanted to write advocating for others, simply because the man who came was talking about how a lot of these people, whether it's in a war-torn country or not, but in Ukraine it is, they're dealing with a war right now and trying to advocate for those who are, <clears throat> um, <coughs> sorry, um, not as well off as you are. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he even said like, you know, you in America may think that you're not very well off, but you really are if you think about it. You know, he was telling a story about a, uh, old Jewish woman that he went to her house to invite her to one of the soup kitchens that they had opened up. And mm -hmm. she said, Oh great. When is it? And he said, 11 o'clock during the day. And she said, I can't come. And she had her little um, her granddaughter. granddaughter who was an orphan that she was raising. And uh, he said, I can't, she said, I can't come. My daughter, my granddaughter's in school at that time. Yeah. And he said, said, well, what do you mean you can't come? If your granddaughter's in school, of course you can come. She says, no, you don't understand. She has the shoes between the two of them. They only had one pair of shoes for, yeah. for wearing going out. And so because she had the shoes, she couldn't leave because it's, you know, freezing out. There's mm -hmm. no way to get there. So, you know, that's just one of the heart wrenching stories he's told us. But it's, it's the reality of a lot of especially countries that are not America, mm -hmm. um, not even just the Ukraine. But, you know, we think about it. It's like, oh, man, it's just like 30 bucks a month. Like that just seems like way too much to even help somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think. It's important for us as believers to do what Adonai and Yeshua had said, which is taking care of the least of these. Right. When he was talking, I was just thinking about that scripture where it says, you know, you fed me and you clothed me and you, you know, did this and you came and visited me when I was sick and in prison. And they said, when did we do any of that for you, Lord? He said, whenever you did that for the least of these, you did it for me. Yeah. And I think that it's so important and it breaks my heart, especially when I even hear like about churches who don't even bother to tithe. Mm -hmm. They expect those who come into the, the doors to tithe, um, to give, and you know, that's between them and God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And God will bless you. But if you're telling your congregation that you should tithe, but the congregation, the church itself is not tithing on what they're bringing in. They're not giving to those who are lesser than they're not advocating for those who are lesser than mm -hmm. what are we doing? Mm -hmm. What are we doing with the money that's just sitting in our banks? Now, some people might, and I've had some people that, because we've talked about that with some folks, and they've been confused by that concept of, of a church or a synagogue tithing what they what they take in. Right. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Do you like give that to, you know, a larger organization than you? Do you give that like to, you know, the the, IA, uh, the IAMCS or something like that? Or what do you mean? Like, no, we're talking about using the money that comes in, not just to keep the lights on and keep the AC going, like, giving it back out 
into the world to try to reach the lost and try to feed the hungry and to clothe the, the naked and, and taking sure. care of widows and orphans. And, and show the love of Yeshua. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like when we pray over our tithing, yeah. our Zadaka box every Saturday, we mm -hmm. say, Lord, use this for um, to reach those in our community, but mm -hmm. also around the world, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, like we, yes, we do give to, I guess, larger organizations because we don't have people who go out to different countries. When I said help. that, I didn't mean that. I meant like, you know, what do you give it to like the next level up of the church? Oh and yeah. No, and that's not it's what like, I, no, yeah. that's not what, yeah. Like, you know, we give to, like you give to a homeless shelter, you mm -hmm. give to a pregnancy center, you give mm -hmm. to, you know, where you see a need in your actual community, yeah. but then also where you see a need where you are not necessarily able to be, Mm -hmm. literally physically walking so like if you're helping somebody in ukraine or you're helping somebody in africa or you're helping somebody in asia mm -hmm. um you're you know sponsoring a mission a missionary mm -hmm. in their family i mean there are a lot of different ways to help further the kingdom mm -hmm. but it breaks my heart when you basically when the uh, the church universal which includes the messianic movement as well we focus only on the four walls mm -hmm. which yes that's important but it's not the most important. Agreed. The most important yeah. thing is to advocate for those who have no voice, mm -hmm. who have no way of getting the help that they need and helping them when you can. Right. Yeah. And because if we're just sitting in uh, gilded cages that we call synagogues, what sense does it make? Yeah. You know, tell me, tell me how ornate and uh, opulent the synagogue that Yeshua operated was. Oh wait, he wasn't operating out of one he, you know, one single synagogue. He was he went out to among the people. He was, you know, walking the land. And it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because I want to let you know, um, my husband and I are both not gifted with evangelism. Mm -hmm. That is not something that we've been gifted with. In fact, it's something that I think probably makes us a little bit uncomfortable in some ways or forms. Like mm -hmm. it's not like we're we're going out there and just meeting random people and saying, Hey, come on here. We have somebody like that in our congregation and she's fantastic at it. Yeah. But like, it blows my mind. She's like, Oh yeah, I was at the grocery store. Oh, I was at the hospital and I met this really nice person. Yeah. And that happened tonight. She was like, I'm at the hospital and I'm in the ER for blah, blah, blah. And I met someone and I gave them the, you know, the email for the Hopper group and they're interested in coming to best. Some kind of like, that's a, like, how, amazing. Do you, how do you segue to that <laughs> while you're in the hospital? Like, right. I don't know. Just, people are just gifted that way. We, mm -hmm. we are not, but it's something that, we're all called to do. I was going to say, thank you for mentioning that. Just because we're not gifted there yeah. does not mean that we don't have to, you know, work in that area and, and still try. It's like, oh, you know, music isn't my gift. Don't care. Get up and sing and praise God. You know, dancing isn't my gift. I don't care. Get up there and move your body and praise right. God. Right. Evangelism isn't my gift. I don't care. Get out there and talk about God and talk right. to people about God. Yeah. And tell them about Yeshua. It might not be your strong suit, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. That's right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Now, hopefully that did bless you and you enjoyed my husband's extra two cents because he is very knowledgeable in many areas that I am not. So like I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction. Did you want to sing with me? Sure. Okay. Now, while you know, this is not his gifting. However, he's going to do it because <laughs> he loves me. No, gifting, music is definitely not my gifting. But I know. Ready? Uh-huh. Yevarecha Kanai, Vayishmarecha, Yaeradonai Panavalecha, Vehunecha, Yisadonai Panavalecha, Vayasimlecha, 
Now may the the Lord Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Hashem Yeshua Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you all have a blessed week, and hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.